Woi woi, woi woi, woi woi. Then it then go on the radio again. Yo, if you wanna smoke free weed, go board yourself. You need to go plant a seed. Go board yourself, make your knowledge increase. Go board yourself, go board yourself. Hey everybody, all right, welcome to episode number 105 of Grow Bud Yourself. We got a great show in store for you guys. Uh, We're going to talk a little bit about the news. Our guest is Jason Baker. He is J Generation of Next Generation Seed Company out of Canada. And uh, we've got the strain of the fortnight. We've got a great grow tip on lighting schedules, plus answers to your grow questions and more Coming up, all brought to you by Seeds Here Now, Sweet Leaf Nutrients, Excelsior Extracts, and Prime Superior Inoculant. Stick around. Episode 105 is coming at you. If you're a grower or you're thinking about starting your first crop, then you need to know about Sweet Leaf Plant Nutrients. Sweet Leaf has an incredible line of organic fertilizers and, of course, their legacy line that includes organic and some synthetic fertilizers. Check them out at sweetleaf.com. That's S-U-I-T-E-L-E-A-F.com. The code DANKO15 gets you 15% off everything at Sweetleaf. That's 15% off their signature line of nutrients as well as essentials like complete indoor hydroponic grow tent kits and grow lights, plus awesome apparel, backpacks, and much more. If you join our Patreon, you'll get access to additional codes worth 20 and even 25% off. Patreon supporters also receive free Sweetleaf nutrients just for signing up. Sweetleaf provides all the tools necessary for the modern gardener. Check them out at sweetleaf.com and remember the code DANKO15. All right, welcome back. As always, thanks to DJ Jacques and Winstrong for the incredible, incredible strong reggae opening tune, the Grow Bud Yourself theme. We love it. And uh, thank you to you guys for listening. Thanks, Mike. How are you feeling? Doing good. So far, so good anyway. You? <laughs> yeah, same. Same. Yeah, I'm excited uh, to be doing the show. And uh, yeah, excited about some some of the news that's come out recently as well. New York shops have opened, uh, rec shops here in the city, uh, and soon to be upstate as well. And that's exciting for our local listeners and for me personally <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> as it's well. It's weird how it's um, happened. Like uh, so many states, they've just kind of launched uh, at a certain date. And yeah, maybe they didn't have like, you know, 30, 40 shops to start with. But, um, you know, they had the designated stores and they began on a certain date with New York. It's sort of this like rolling, like, yeah, one opened and now we have two. And But, you know, of course, you've been able to buy weed for the last, you know, six months anywhere you go in New York. So it's kind of strange here. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And I'm certain, you know, certain there will be a crackdown on some of those unlicensed <laughs> yeah. uh, shops now that the licensed ones are open which is a shame because, you know, they're everywhere now and there's uh, high levels of quality out there uh, at some of the unlicensed places. And then there's, you know, the regular mids that that are out there as well. But I think, uh, yeah, it's going to shake, how it shakes out is going to be interesting. I'm excited for when uh, consumption lounges open as well. Uh, That should definitely be interesting. It's just one of those towns where it's like, people are just, they're not going to wait for the government or the the regulate the regulatory body to say okay you could start doing this now right? people are just gonna do it and then they're just gonna see how what they could get away with and if they can't if they can get away with it they'll just keep doing it and if they can't then someone else will try it and uh, you know that's that's new york for you indeed but we uh, we have some interesting indeed. news going on outside of new york um so let's just talk about that real quick for a moment here um and our first story comes from delaware which is trying very hard to become perhaps the next state to legalize uh, recreational cannabis, including adult use sales. Um, So we have basically the way they're doing it is they're splitting the bills. They have uh, one bill that would legalize cannabis and then a second bill that would make it okay to sell. So a tax and regulate bill and a legalization bill. And uh, both of those bills have passed through House committees, so it's going well. And the reason for some optimism is essentially these same bills. They're slightly revised, but uh, similar bills in last legislative session did pretty well. The legalization bill actually passed 
um, Delaware's legis- uh, legislature, whereas the um, the adult use sales bill did not pass the legislature. But the reason why cannabis is not currently legal, because yes, you just heard me right, the legislature passed a legalization bill in Delaware. And the reason why it is not currently legal is because Governor John Carney vetoed legalizing cannabis. And before you ask, interestingly, yes, he's a Democrat. Democratic Governor John Carney of Delaware uh, vetoed a legalization bill last year. And uh, unfortunately, the legislature did not have the votes necessary to override that veto. So legalization got shot down. But uh, fortunately, lawmakers revised the bills. They're they're taking the same approach for some reason where they're splitting it between legalization and uh, retail sales. But they're trying again, and hopefully uh, it is more successful this time around. Yeah, yeah. Good luck to Delaware. I'd, I'd like to see an, another state go for sure, and uh, especially here on the East Coast. Yeah, absolutely. And that would be quite a uh, a line down the coast, wouldn't it? Like almost from Maine uh, to Virginia, just about um, if Delaware got in there. So that's that's pretty interesting. Um, OK, so this next story, I guess we could file this under the no shit uh, uh, content um, silo or whatever you want to call it. But um, basically, uh, DEA data shows that uh, states that have legalized cannabis show reductions in uh, opioid demand. Really? Oh, well, fascinating. Now, the DEA did not put this study out because they would, you know, hate to say anything positive about legal cannabis, but essentially the study uses Drug Enforcement Administration data, and uh, they showed a 26% reduction in retail pharmacy-based codeine distribution. So essentially... They looked at 11 states that have already legalized cannabis and allow adult use sale of cannabis, and they found that um, that codeine prescriptions and use are down significantly in those states. Now, obviously, uh, if they're using that research, they're not going to be able to look into uh, what people are buying on the street, like fentanyl or other things, but, um, but it does show uh, through the DEA data that legal cannabis can reduce opiate demand. Interesting. Yeah. And like you said, we've known about this forever. It's just interesting to see the prohibitionists come out and say it, uh, even if they're not really truly coming out out and saying it, but their studies are saying it. And uh, it is, you know, to us a no brainer, but I think uh, eye opening for people who aren't uh, as immersed in this type of information and in, in the scene to know this. But, you know, I've met hundreds, if not thousands of people who have told me uh, that cannabis reduced their opioid usage rate uh, almost to nothing in many, most cases and saved their life in, in a lot of cases. So uh, if we really care about what we call an opioid crisis, uh, we would immediately legalize cannabis everywhere because uh, it certainly helps to reduce those usage rates. And many people use cannabis to replace things like opioids, uh, alcohol, nicotine, uh, and, and improve their lives with a much safer, uh, and more enjoyable product. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think it's important that this information gets out and that people hear this, uh, uh, particularly the people who need to hear it. Now, what do you call it? The, uh, the off ramp, yeah, exit yeah, drug, exit drug, yeah. exit drug, off ramp, a lot of different, you know, the gateway back instead of a gateway drug, it's a gateway back to a healthy lifestyle. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, it's, it's important. It's life-saving. I mean, it's not just important. It's life-saving and life-improving, um, not just for the person, but for their families and their loved ones, their friends. Uh, it, it's just, it. one day we'll look back and just wonder how, how any of this prohibition era bs was even possible yes i think we already feel that way um let's do one last one this is interesting i obviously dan and i are not doctors um no, no matter what dan might have told you when he's met you at one of these cannabis events uh, he is not he is not <laughs> a, a a physician um so it would have been nice to have somebody maybe more qualified uh on to speak about this but 
but we don't. So we'll just get Dan's take on it. But basically, there are new guidelines for anesthesiologists, and, uh, and they pertain to asking patients about their cannabis use before they have surgery, essentially. And the guidelines, they recommend that anesthesiologists ask patients whether they use cannabis, how much, how often, how recently they used it, what type of marijuana, <laughs> and uh, whether it was smoked or ingested. And the, gu the guidelines, uh, this reads, they also call for postponing elective surgery if the patient arrives high, and also educating pregnant uh, patients about the risks of using marijuana on their baby. Of course, that should be discussed, but... Um, anesthesiologists doing a deep dive into uh, patients' cannabis use. What do you think? Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think it's kind of wasteful uh, of their time and of people's time. I think anesthesia isn't really affected by cannabis nearly as much as it would be by alcohol or opioids. Um, and I think those things are much more important for an anesthesiologist to know uh, because uh, I think it takes a lot more anesthesia if someone is using opioids or alcohol on a regular basis uh, to knock them out for a surgery. Uh, and so I don't think cannabis really has any kind of strong effects like that. And I think, uh, you know, anesthesiologists would be much better prepared uh, by knowing that rather than cannabis use. Yeah, makes sense to me. Just the whole thing seems kind of strange. I guess I'm not really offended by it. it it's just a it's curious but yeah, that's a bit of a look at what's going on in the world of weed but we have a very exciting interview with an old friend coming up yeah absolutely uh, our old pal jason baker uh also known as j generation uh of next generation seed company a breeder for many many years since the uh mid to late 90s in canada moved to spain uh and then back to canada uh and has some very interesting uh, information on his sort of his breeding philosophy, as well as uh, strains that can handle tough environments, uh, which much of Canada is for a plant like cannabis. And when you take those strains out of Canada and grow them in a uh, better climate, uh, they tend to produce really well and really flourish. So um, very interesting stuff uh, out of next generation seed company and so why don't we take a break and we will come right back with our interview with jason baker do you want to take your cultivation program to the next level and grow higher quality naturally healthier plants our new sponsor prime superior can get you there with simple, safe, and effective products. Whether you're starting with seeds, clones, or your plants are already established, Prime Superior has a product for you. And best of all, you don't have to change anything in your grow program. Just add Prime Superior. Do you want the best biological for cannabis growing? Prime Superior's proprietary strain of Bovaria bassania increases terpenes, cannabinoids, and yield. Inoculate early with Prime Superior and you will see faster germination and larger root mass, which will help you propel your nutrient uptake. Faster growth and more photosynthesis means higher yields and more terpenes and cannabinoids. Plus, Prime Superior has the world's first biological cloning honey to help improve your cloning success. Now's the time to try Prime Superior. Grow Bud Yourself listeners can use the code PS420 for 15% off their entire order at primesuperior.com. So don't hesitate, inoculate, and visit primesuperior.com to learn more. All right, welcome back. And uh, we have a special guest for you guys this week. Uh, our guest is Jason Baker, a.k.a. J Generation of Next Generation Seed Company, uh, which was established in 1997 uh, in Canada. Jay, Jason, welcome to the show. Oh, thanks for having me. It's been, it's been a while since we've got together. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and we'll get into a little bit of that for sure. But uh, yeah, tell me a little bit about... Um, how you got interested in cannabis and how that led to, uh, you know, starting to do some breeding and forming uh, the companies that you have. Yeah, well, I, like I said, I started way back in about 95, 96. Um, 
and I moved to the west coast of Canada to Vancouver where the, the pot scene was big and uh, being a pothead I just loved the scene out there and I became a collector of every cologne I could get my hands on and seeds and I uh, became obsessed with it and started my own company uh, in 97 um, next generation um, before that I worked with Federation Seed Company um, but that dissolved um, and yeah I've been obsessed with cannabis ever since uh, in all the different flavors and yeah it's, it's been a part of my life now for 26 27 years and it's brought me all around the world so it's a, a great industry to be in yeah absolutely and uh you know you men had mentioned that uh we knew each other from from way back uh in the 2000s i took several trips to vancouver island um to visit some of your uh grows and breeding projects and all of that and uh some of the very, more, most memorable times of my uh of my career <laughs> actually um, were spent uh, with you out uh, on Vancouver Island and 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 all around BC, British Columbia. Um, I guess uh, you know what are, what are your thoughts and memories on on those days? Well, I, I really miss uh, the good old days of uh, gorilla growing, uh, spending months uh, out in the woods and in the mountains. Um, it's things sure have changed, and I miss those good old days. Uh, uh, just constantly in, in the woods, climbing. Um, it's, uh, it's changed so much nowadays. Now it's more like a job, but uh, I still have the passion for it, but uh, it's, it's, it's changed so much. Uh, it's hard to, uh, hard to explain for people that weren't in the, there in the, in the old days. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I can remember one story. Uh, uh, we were driving down some logging roads, uh, and uh basically disguised ourselves as mushroom hunters and uh ventured into the woods <laughs> to one of your grows and actually ran into a mama bear and her two bear cubs in and the uh in the river uh like in a uh uh you know a dried out river bay riverbed and you just said uh Let's just keep going into the woods and get away <laughs> or something along those lines. Yeah, that used to happen a lot. <laughs> <laughs> it was, it was very memorable for me as a city boy uh, to visit something like that. And I think another one we went to, we climbed up to like almost like a swamp, actually not almost a, like a swampy area uh, where basically the trees had fallen and created like a grid pattern over the swamp. And we're walking, you know, on the trees that are, were fallen and you had planted plants in there uh, that were basically constantly wicking up moisture from the swamp. Was that, do you remember that? Is that, am, I, am I remembering yeah. correct? I believe you, you do remember <laughs> correctly. You got a good memory. Um, yeah, I used to go to a lot of very remote areas uh, on, on a really wet part of Vancouver Island, um, wetter than most areas on on the coast and that's why because there was less growers there because vancouver island is full of growers so i was new to the island i i chose some of the wettest rainiest spots but in the end that helped me uh develop a lot more of my strains for mold resistance um the first few years were tough i'd lose a lot of plants but throughout the years after i, I did my selecting um after three or four years of selective breeding out there um a lot of my strains became very, very uh, mold resistant. Uh, even to this day, some of those same varieties are I still hold on to that mold resistance uh, from that selecting I did out there. So, yeah, and that's one of the more unique aspects of uh, you know the the Canadian breeding philosophy. Uh, and whenever people ask me, you know, well, what seeds what seeds should I get for uh, a harsher climate or a higher altitude, short flowering season, all that, I tell them look no further than Canada because uh, they've been, they've been growing these strains and breeding them uh, in order to harvest, you know, I mean, you can't, you're not going to make it with a, a, a weak plant. Uh, so tell me a little bit about like your breeding philosophy, what uh, you know, what that entails for you. Well, for me, when I'm, when I'm doing my breeding, uh, especially back in the day, we never had uh, the lab tests. So we never really knew our THC levels and CBD levels. And for me, it was all about uh, the flavor and health, healthy flavor. growth. So the, 
or terpenes as we call it now, but it was just all about that deep flavor that when you're smoking your joint, you can taste that all the way down to the roach. It's not after you light it up, have one or two puffs, and it just they all taste the same. Um, for me, it has to have strong, strong flavor. Um, and that's, I may not have the, the highest THC levels on a lot of my varieties. Like I don't have, don't have very many varieties over 26 or 27%. Uh, most are in that 20 to 22 range, uh, give or take. Uh, but I select for the flavor. That's number one for me. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, originally, you know, you had, you were, you were uh, working with pretty much just regular seeds, uh, but you, you, you had a, you moved to Europe at, at, at some point, right? And, and sort of got more uh, interested in developing some, uh, some more uh, feminized genetics and, and such. Yeah, I, I lived, uh, my, my first 10 years or so of breeding was on Vancouver Island and in the Vancouver area. Um, but then I moved to uh, Holland and then eventually ended up in Spain for nine years. Uh, I lived in Spain and I picked up uh, the feminized breeding method with the STS. And because that's what the market demands, that's still about 70, 80% of our market. So I have to go, have to do that. Um, and now auto flowers are taking over in the last five years. So uh, I've, uh, I've made uh, about five of my varieties now into uh, auto flowers. Uh, there's going to be a few more coming soon. Um, but uh, yeah, you have to change with the market. And But I still miss uh, breeding with regular seeds. And I still do some uh, my own personal stuff, but not too much for sale anymore. Interesting. Um, yeah, in 2009, I actually uh, inducted Next Generation Seed Company into the High Times uh, Breeders Hall of Fame. And it really, for me, it was uh, based on just consistency, stability, but also some really unique strains. I mean, the Island Sweet Skunk still, to me, remains um, one of my favorites of all time. Um, the Time Warp, uh, the Romulan, which people will remember from back in the day for sure. Um, tell me a little bit about uh, about maybe those strains and, and, and what else you kind of have out there that you're you're truly proud of um well they're all all my strains are like my my kids in a way um <laughs> i I've, I've stuck with a lot of my own strains um and i haven't got into a lot of these uh strain of the year strains that come and go uh down in the states i know you guys have a lot of your what you call all the cookies and cakes and all these crosses and and i've i've, I've stayed with my own varieties and tried to perfect them um and I brought Romulan back. Once I moved to Europe, I lost my Romulan strain. Um, and now I'm back in Canada now for five years. I've been selectively breeding it, and we just brought it back about a year ago. Yeah, and my sweet skunk is, is as good as ever. My Ireland sweet skunk is one of the biggest yielding strains we have and one of my favorites. Uh, but it takes about 10 weeks to flower. It scares some people away. Uh, but you're rewarded with uh, much larger yields, and it's really easy to grow. And and you, you know the island sweet skunk; it smells and tastes great. Yeah, so unique and and uh, different. And I think um, also important that you know these are strains people can grow outdoors. They're very hardy um, because they're able to survive, uh, you know, pretty harsh Canadian climates. Um, although you know Vancouver Island has so many microclimates too. I mean, I feel like, That's uh, true. Yep. you know, there's, yeah, there's a lot of, you know, one side of the Island is very different than the other. And, um, yep. well, that's one thing I learned living in Spain. Um, it's a much different latitude than we are up here in Canada. And where I lived in Spain is probably about the same latitude as, uh, Northern California. And I learned, uh, down there, which strains of mine work good outdoors down there. I, was able to grow a lot of varieties uh, that I was not able to grow outdoors here in Canada. And and some of my varieties that did well in Canada did not do well at that latitude. And uh, it, it taught me a lot about my own genetics, just growing it in a completely different climate. Uh, so it's that way. Now when people call me from down in the States, um, I, I can recommend uh, which varieties uh, for people to use down there. Yeah, no, that's awesome. And uh, again, like, now with uh, a lot of the legal companies being tested for molds and and all kinds of pathogens and things it is really important to find uh resistant 
strains that uh, are hardy like that and will survive and thrive, uh, not get, you know, PM uh, as much as some of the more uh, uh, harder to grow varieties that are out there. Um, there's also a famous trip uh, to Morocco that you took with my colleague, Nico. Yep. <laughs> and uh, yeah, do you care to talk a little bit about that? And I, yeah, uh, that, that was quite the adventure. Uh, yeah, we had a blast with a couple of Spanish buddies of mine. And uh, we flew down to Fez and then we all got in our cars and uh, drove up to the mountains. And it, it was quite the experience. I've been up there a few times before um, and uh, got to know a few of the farmers. And they tested a few of my varieties down there. And it was really good to see uh, after the harvest, we went up and we were able to sample the hash of about four or five different varieties of mine that were growing up in the mountains. And uh, I believe that the, the, the Moroccans have come a long way since we've been there. Um, they've changed up their varieties now. Um, they, they Back then, they were growing a lot of Pakistani varieties. And now they've switched over to a lot of uh, Spanish stuff. And now they're switching again, looking for new genetics that are more drought resistant because uh, the climate, it seems to have changed there in the last 10, 15 years. And they're looking for drought resistant varieties uh, in Morocco now. Um, the climate's changing everywhere. So uh, the weed farmers have to change with it. Yeah, absolutely. Well, what are what are some of your uh, your favorite of your more, of your newer strains that you've developed? Because uh, you're now back in Canada uh, you, you said you were in Spain, uh, for those nine years, uh, but you've returned now that, uh, the climate has changed and, and, uh, there's an industry and, and all of that. So t tell me a little bit about your favorite, uh, newer varieties. Um, well, some of them are new or some of them are old ones I brought back. Uh, but I, one of my favorites, uh, is my Hawaiian sativa and also my grapefruit diesel. My grapefruit diesel is one of my favorite ones it's not the highest thc but the terpene levels are through the roof uh, i've made several crosses with it um and everything that i cross with it comes out over three percent terpenes um and in the grapefruit diesel itself only tests close to five percent but uh, the thc level is only about 18 to 20. Um, but it's still one of my favorite to smoke you can smell that across the parking lot um, and it's just, it's so easy to grow uh, great for beginners and even if you do a bad job as a beginner you're going to have some really really dang smoke um so th those are probably my two favorite right right now but that that changes a lot i tend to like more sativas and because uh, i'm an all-day smoker um if i have the indicas i just can't get anything done so yeah i i lean toward <laughs> the sativas uh, what about for uh for people who want to make uh hash like rosin or or um any kind of uh, solventless extracts? What is, is there any particular ones that uh, wash really well? Um, yeah, our Ogopogo, uh, which is a OG cross, uh, OG with my grapefruit, with my grapefruit diesel, extremely resinous. Also our Banner uh, cross, uh, it's a grapefruit diesel cross with Banner, which I we call a snowbank. Uh, really, really, it's it's just covered in resin and it drops uh, very easy when you're doing bubble hash uh, or, or a rosin press. Uh, yeah, the snowbank or the Ogopogo would be my recommendation. Oh, nice. Awesome. Um, you mentioned autos as well. Um, you, uh, what are some of your favorite of the autos that you've uh, you've got out now? Because uh, I know there's a lot of people looking to do, uh, you know, two harvests in one summer or, you know, just the simplicity of autos for flour or for hash, in, you know, in particular. Yeah, especially up here in Canada when our shorter growing season. So I, I nowadays I just recommend everybody do the autos. And my favorite by far that I've done the most work on is my grapefruit haze. My, uh, it still, still gets a good meter tall and it still has that hazy, lemony uh, flavor to it. And that the you know, a bit more of a sativa high, but grapefruit haze for sure. And I, I, that's the one I've done most of my work on. Uh, and that was the very first one I started back in Spain. And, and uh, yeah, we've been perfecting it here ever since. And we've had great results here. Uh, a lot of uh, Alberta, Western Canada growers this summer uh, grew it outside. And compared to a lot of other companies' autoflowers, ours did not get any botrytis or molds. Uh, Meanwhile, there'd be another strain from another company right next to it that was full of uh, mold. 
And uh, yeah, our grapefruit haze is strong when it comes to taking the weather. That's awesome. Uh, the uh, and a lot of our listeners are you know beginners uh, that are looking to get get into growing. Uh, so, assuming someone buys a pack of uh, next generation seeds, uh, what are you know your preferred methods? Not just uh, for germination, but like um, just describe like you know medium wise. Do you prefer uh, soilless mix or hydro? Do you prefer uh, LEDs or HIDs? What, what's your your preferred for home grow? Not necessarily uh, production, but head stash. I uh, I always recommend soilless mix. Um, even myself to this day, I still make most of my seeds. Um, well, I make all my seeds uh, growing in soilless mix, partially because I have so many different varieties, uh, sometimes in the same room that you can't really automate it. When you have a you know a seven week indica, a 10 week sativa in the same room, they have different uh, watering requirements. So you can't put them on an automatic drip. And so, so many different strains in the room, you have to uh, yeah, customize and it's much easier with soil than it is with hydroponics. Um, that's what I find anyway. And the seeds uh, come out better when I'm breeding. The seeds are better quality when they're in soil. They can have a longer shelf life, and they tend to keep their germ- germination rate much longer, I found. But, uh, yeah, for beginners, I would say stay in soil unless you really know what you're doing. Or if you're in a small apartment, perhaps hydro. But uh, soil is more forgiving for the new, new growers out there. Nice. Yeah. And as far as, um, let's say, uh, the drying and curing process, do you, uh, do you prefer a, a wet dry or do you dry, uh, dry the plants and then trim as far as, uh, you, do you do the early trim or the late trim? Well, it depends on how much time I have. <laughs> sometimes, they, <laughs> sometimes it's way too busy to get it all done at once. And then you trim it up later. Uh, but yeah, I tend to strip the fan leaves and then, yeah, and then bring it to the kids to do the trim. Um, I stay away from the sh- machines, um, but because I don't really grow a lot of uh, 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 weed for weight. Most of my crops, other except when I'm doing testing, uh, when I grow my testing, then I usually do a, a hand trim when it's wet. I prefer, um, but it, it, that, that's everybody has their own. Everybody can argue about that online forever. Um, but I, I, I like to do it wet. It tends to look uh, better afterwards than when you're doing a, uh, a dry trim. Um, but yeah, like I say, most of my, my crops are, are seed crops. So when I do have my bud crops, uh, yeah, I like to trim them right away. Absolutely. Um, now, I know that uh, our friend and uh, colleague Jorge Cervantes uh, has filmed a bunch of uh, DVD stuff at uh, your locations. So many people have learned so much um from those videos and the articles that have been written uh, by by George, by myself, by Nico uh, about your stuff. Uh, and now you're celebrating more than 25 years uh, in this industry. Uh, I mean, just, I, I don't know, tell me a little bit about how you feel about um, where things stand right now and maybe what you think about where things are heading in the future. Well, for for me up in Canada, I moved back when legalization happened about five years ago. I moved back to Canada and I thought it was going to be a great uh, thing. And uh, it's kind of been a, a letdown in some ways. And I'm planning on moving my company actually out of Canada now um, and going uh, to South America and setting back up in Spain as well. So I've been, I've been down to South America, to Argentina and Chile a few times now. And, uh, the Canadian process here is way over-regulated and uh, so many of the best growers here are going bankrupt, frankly. The ones that went fully legal, um, they're losing their shirts right now. And uh, a lot of people like Charles Reiferman and a few other top breeders in Canada have moved uh, out of Canada because it's just there's no money left here. Uh, the government's taken it all. It's way over-regulated. And, uh, and I'm probably going to end up doing the same within the next year. Um, it's just... There's nothing. Uh, the market's been killed here, um, and even if uh, I did my sell my seeds on the legal market here in Canada, um, there the government agencies that control the the market won't allow most of them into the stores. So, 
it's it's really really tough. The the way Canada has done the legalization isn't really good for for a lot of variety of, of strains. If, if your strain does not reach 24, 25% THC, it won't hit the store shelves. Um, so it's it's not really customer driven. It's more government regulators drive the market here now and the big companies really don't know what what they're doing. Um, so it's, it's been a bit of a disappointment. Um, and I hate to leave Canada, but it looks like that's what's gonna happen. Right. Wow. That's interesting. And then, you know, South America being sort of the future as far as that goes and already sort of leading the way uh, cultivation wise, you know, size wise, uh, at least here in the Western Hemisphere. Um, yeah, that's uh, that's interesting. Um, uh, let our listeners know how they can find out more about you on social media, how they can purchase uh, Next Generation Seeds. Uh, and keep up with what what you got going on. Yeah, I'm. Uh, well, our website is nextgenerationseedcompany.com. Uh, we give free seeds with every order. Uh, I'm on Instagram at jgeneration. Uh, you can find me there on Instagram, and also Next Generation Latam for our uh, South American and Latin American uh, customers. Uh, yeah, hit me up on Instagram. I've got lots of good photos of my my gardens on there and all our strains. And I'm always uh, interested to talk to uh, people um, about our varieties. Yeah, so please do follow J Generation, J-A-Y Generation on Instagram. Some incredible photos, uh, some beautiful wispy sativas and some uh, amazing bud shots and seed shots uh, out there. Um, Thank you very much, Jason, for coming on the show. Really appreciate uh, you and uh, long time no chat so we'll have to catch up uh sooner rather than later well thanks for having me um yeah i can't wait to get down to the state sometime and uh often one down with you perfect awesome all right we will be back after these messages hey guys remember friends don't let friends bring clones home The only way to guarantee that you're growing out your phenotype of choice is through seeds. And the best way to get the seeds you want is through Seeds Here Now. Established way back in 2010, Seeds Here Now has been satisfying customers with the best genetics from the best breeders in the world, with more than 3,000 strains to choose from. With an average rating of 4.8 stars, Seeds Here Now is one of the most trusted and respected seed banks in the world. And Seeds Here Now is the only seed bank with 100% satisfaction guarantee. Plus, Seeds Here Now offers regular deals on seeds. Just click the On Sale tab on their website and see what this month's deals are on a variety of incredible genetics. And if you sign up for their email list, you'll be entered to win free seeds every time a Seeds Here Now email goes out. Visit SeedsHereNow.com to learn more. And Grow Bud Yourself listeners can use the promo code GBY free ship for free shipping on all orders. And best of all, that free shipping offer will work with any other coupon code or discount that you use. So check out seedsherenow.com today and get started on your own dream garden. Hey, all right, welcome back. And uh, thank you to Jason for that uh, awesome interview. Really Great to catch up with him after so many years. We had some interesting adventures out there in the Canadian wilderness. And uh, yeah, like as we mentioned, uh, those strains that can survive that type of Canadian environment are uh, really great to grow in better environments as well because they're hardy and, uh, you know, resistant to a lot of the issues that uh, plague some other strains. So keep that in mind. Uh, Check out Next Generation Seeds. And uh, yeah, thanks to him. He's an OG. He's been uh, breeding for years and years and years, decades, and very interesting guy. Absolutely. Thank you, Jason. And um, oh my gosh, what is that that I hear? (laughs) And yes, this is a Fortnite. And yes, this is a Fortnite. Strain Strain of the Fortnite. What do you got for us us this week? Strain Strain of the the Fortnite. Fortnite. (laughs) <laughs> Strain of the Fortnite. 
Oh. Ah, yes, it is that time again, Danny Danko. <laughs> it is time for your strain of the fortnight. Yes, it's been a fortnight, and now we have the strain of the fortnight. And this one's a very interesting one. Uh, the strain is called Lemon OG Haze. I actually picked this up from a dispensary, if you can believe that, uh, can of provisions in Massachusetts. A, a lot of people will tell you. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. And I think I've mentioned this on the show before. People are always saying, oh, you can't find good weed at a dispensary. None of the licensed stores, blah, blah, blah. You got to go to the underground. And while in many cases that's true, uh, there are certainly uh, a handful or more uh, dispensaries that really care about quality. And I got to say, Canna Provisions is certainly one of them. They have two locations in Massachusetts, uh, one in Holyoke, one in Lee. Um, and both beautiful towns. I mean, Holyoke's an old factory town that's uh, on the comeback from, uh, you know, the demise of the factory kind of town, <laughs> you know. And uh, their dispensary in Holyoke is actually in a an old factory building. It's pretty pretty amazing. And then Lee is just a picturesque, beautiful town in the Berkshires. Uh, small, you know, small town, but but really amazing place. Um, all the way west on the turnpike near the. Uh, near the New York state border actually. And uh, really just beautiful dispensaries uh, both and really well stocked with amazing quality products. I should mention that their uh, director of cultivation has been on our show as well as uh, the uh, CEO and, and COO uh, 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 Megan Eric, but the director of cultivation is Greg uh, Krasnowski, who's actually ChemDog. He's the original underground grower who grows the chem dog and brought that to the attention of the world um, many years ago. And he is actually their director of cultivation. They took an underground grower and made him legal. Uh, so it's kind of part of that legacy meets legal ethos that's out there. And uh, this is one of the strains that he oversees them growing the lemon OG haze. And uh, you know, with that haze, of course you're going to expect um some of the typical sativa dominant uh, characteristics, uh, which certainly there, the pale sort of light greenish flowers, uh, elongated flowers, uh, really high calyx to leaf ratio. Um, everything they do is always hand trimmed. Uh, so, you know, it's, it's all dried and cured properly, which not every uh, cultivation does that. Uh, these are small batches that they put out uh, through a line called Smash Hits. Um, it's their line of small batch buds uh, that Greg oversees. And uh, this one, I mean, it's pretty amazing. The, the buds are very sticky to the touch, uh, but when you break them up in the grinder, end up real light and fluffy, uh, dried perfectly, really well. Uh, and immediately you can smell that citrus smell that comes from that lemon, the lemon OG haze, and a bit of the OG too. There's an earthiness there. Um, as well as kind of, you know, if you really uh, grind it up and then sniff, take a close sniff, uh, you will smell all kinds of subtle uh, scents and aromas, uh, lemongrass, uh, bergamot, a uh, bit of grapefruit, even uh, cinnamon bark, very interesting depth uh, on this strain. Um, and then, you know, I like to take dry a dry hit, like I roll it up and, and kind of take a dry hit before I light it. Um, and the, the dry head off of this really brings out the lemon. Uh, I mean, just like candy, like lemon heads or those uh, sour lemon Mike and Ikes, real lemony uh, on the front. And then a kind of an aftertaste with the, the earthy fuel that you get from the OG, uh, a little bit of pine, uh, pepper, kind of. Um, in testing, the dominant terpenes include uh, limonene, obviously, because of the lemon, uh, alpha pinene. Uh, caryophylline and myrcene. Uh, so some really interesting, unique uh, combination with a really complex bouquet uh, dominated by citrus, but with a lot of subtle nuanced undertones as well. Um, then, you know, after the dry hit, of course you want to light it. And uh, when you light it, you, you sense the smooth and sort of silkiness of it. It really, uh, for me, it's reminiscent of sort of lemon pot de creme or uh, uh, creme brulee, that kind of thing where uh, it's just got that kind of real smooth creaminess to it. Uh, it burns uh, to a really wispy white ash. So for me, um, that just shows that 
the flowers have been properly fed, uh, properly flushed, properly cured. And then another interesting thing, you get that ring of oil that forms just below the glowing cherry, uh, the lit end of the joint. Uh, you see as it's burning sort of a ring of oil that uh, comes down and the cherry sort of follows that ring of oil. And that you know that there's a pretty good uh, terpene content in that. The effect uh, is pretty strong. Uh, definitely a sativa dominant effect. It first kind of hits you in the forehead uh, and just behind your eyes. Uh, a little bit of a creeper high. It takes a few minutes to reach total potency. Uh, but once you feel that effect after about five to 10 minutes after you smoke, uh, you start to feel really energetic, uh, very happy, perfect daytime smoke. Really amazing for people that are like uh, creatives, um, that are looking for inspiration, people that are, are, are like us, writers, uh, podcasters, that kind of thing. Um, for medical patients, I think it, it would help with anxiety, uh, mild depression, symptoms like that, um, maybe even a little bit of uh, just you know drowsiness. It's definitely cerebral and uplifting. Um, and so, like I said, great for creativity or any kind of activity, really. If you want to clean the house, uh, take a nice long walk in the woods, take a few puffs of this and, uh, and get going because uh, the lemon OG haze really is one of those strains that's unique and interesting. And like I said, uh, you can find it at Canna Provisions locations in Massachusetts uh, or you can grow it yourself, uh, which is what we encourage you to do as well. As far as testing goes, it tests at uh, right around 24% THC um, and very little uh, 0.07 CBD. But one thing that's interesting is uh, almost 2% CBGA, uh, which is definitely more than many strains have of that CBGA. Um, so that's interesting as well and unique. Uh, so give it a try, the Lemon OG Haze. Uh, it's definitely an interesting strain. All right, there you go. Strain of the Fortnite. The Lemon OG Haze has all of your activities covered, your productivity, activity, creativity, good stuff. And uh, yeah, Can of Provisions hiring a chem dog to oversee their cultivation it was, a, it was a clutch move. So good on them for doing that. And uh, so that was Strain of the Fortnite. And now, as our listeners know, um, comes the time where each week, Dan provides a grow tip that will help you become a better cultivator. So what would you like to discuss this week? Yeah, so uh, this week I'd like to discuss uh, lighting schedules. Uh, now, this might seem pretty straightforward, but uh, it's, you know, it's not always as straightforward as it seems. Some people have a lot of questions about this. So I would say, you know, well, let's start with the vegetative stage. Uh, I like 20 hours on, 4 hours off for the vegetative stage. Uh, some people will do 18 hours on six hours off. You definitely don't want to go less than 18. Uh, and you definitely don't want to go 24 hours on. I do not uh, subscribe to that. Uh, I do think that the plants need some rest time. I think four to six hours is plenty of rest time. I wouldn't even do 22 on two off just because I don't think that's enough rest time. Um, you definitely need a timer for this. This is not something you want to do manually. So get yourself a nice heavy-duty timer, uh, not a cheap, uh, you know, plastic timer that's like ten or fifteen dollars. You want to invest in a decent timer that's not going to mess up on you. Um, because again, in the vegetative stage, it's not super important, but once you start the flowering stage, it is important. Now, as far as switching to the flowering stage, uh, some people out there will recommend sort of gradually you know, losing an hour of light per day until you're down to 12, 12, uh, for flowering. I don't recommend that. I recommend making that switch automatically the day that you decide it's time to start the flowering process. So, uh, I recommend just switching immediately to 12 on 12 off. Uh, think in advance when you want that 12 on to be, uh, there's a number of factors there as well. Uh, when when it's best for you to get into that room to work with the plants. You want to work with them when the light is on. Uh, also, if there's issues with heat or cold, uh, if you're in a very hot area, you might want those lights on at, at night. If you're in a very cold area, um, you know, you might want those on during the day. And uh, as uh, someone who's been on the show, DJ Short, has also talked about a, a um, 13 off 11 on flowering cycle. 
Um, that'll save you a little bit of electricity. That's good for some of the more sativa dominant plants as well uh, to really make sure that they're flowering properly. Uh, and so he swears by that um, 1311, which is interesting. There's some people out there on the internet that'll give you like some really screwy uh, schedules, like, you know, six on, one off, and it's really strange kind of things. I wouldn't mess with any of that. Uh, I don't I don't subscribe to any of those kind of things. You just want that 12 on, 12 off. If you want to mess around with the 1311, that's fine. Um, but you really want to just keep it consistent. And that's how, how the flowering period works. Um, just remember to get a good timer and uh, switch immediately. And understanding that you're going to get some stretch after you cut that cycle to 12-12. Uh, with some strains, it might even be up to like a foot of stretch. So factor that in uh, to when you decide to change your lighting schedule. Uh, but there you have it. That is um, grow room lighting schedules for beginners. All right. And we know the lighting schedule is super important. So good grow tip there. And uh, now it is time for my favorite part of the show where uh, you answer grow questions from our listeners so if you have a question you would like answered on the show get in touch with us that email is info at growbudyourself.com uh what do you say we hop right in with an email from a uh, listener in the uk it's dazzle from the uk who writes hey guys um, actually, there's a, few, there's a few questions here for you to delve into, Dan. So Dazzle writes, uh, can you please give me some advice on creating a mother plant for me to take clones from? Uh, also, do you have recommendations from where to buy seeds? I was looking at Barney's Farm in Amsterdam. And what are the best seeds to buy? Feminized? Auto? I was looking at Skywalker. Uh, also, any techniques, etc. So yeah, what would you say there to Dazzle? Yeah, so a uh, number of different questions there. Thank you, Dazzle, for the uh, for the uh, inquiry. I would say uh, you don't want to use feminized or autos for mother plants. I mean, obviously, autos aren't going to stay in the vegetative cycle anyway. Um, feminized seeds, uh, the benefits of those are really that you get female plants only. But at the same time, uh, I do think that you want to grow mother plants from regular seeds because of the hybrid vigor that you get. Uh, from regular seeds and F1 hybrids. Um, so I would look for uh, good regular F1 hybrids. If you're looking for Skywalker uh, OG, I would look to someone maybe from the West Coast, uh, probably, uh, you know, C uh, Cali. You know, that's where the Skywalker comes from. So somebody out there, uh, of course, our uh, sponsor Seeds Here Now has a bunch of different amazing uh, strains to choose from. Uh, you mentioned being in the UK, you might want to go with someone from Amsterdam. Barney's Farm is great, but there's plenty of other ones as well. Just remember to get regular seeds. And as far as technique, I would say uh, grow the seeds out, uh, label them very properly, take a clone from the seeds while it's, they're in the vegetative stage, root the clone, flower the clone, uh, and then determine which of the vegetating plants that you took the clone from to hold on to and keep as a mother plant. So the clone will tell you if the plant is female. Um, the clone will tell you if, uh, if the uh, female is the phenotype that you're looking for, um, basically. And the reason for that is you don't want that vegging mother plant to go into the flowering um, stage and then try to bring it back into the vegging stage to keep it as a mother in the vegging stage. Uh, it's traumatic for the plant. It's a pain in the ass. And it's just not a necessary step to take as long as you know how to clone well. Um, so take a clone from that plant, uh, root the clone, and then flower the clone. Let that clone determine which of those uh, vegging plants is going to be your mom. Keep that plant in the vegetative stage for as long as you, you need a mom for. Take cuttings from that, and uh, you'll have guaranteed females off of a regular uh, F1 hybrid seed plant and you'll have uh, clones that act exactly alike uh, for as long as you want them and then if you want to switch out um, take one of those clones keep that in the vegetative stage and make that your mother plant for the future but uh, that's my advice as far as uh, creating a mother plant to take clones from 
How many times did we use send in the clones as a cover line at high times? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I used that. I had cloning for dollars was uh, yeah. one of the ones I wrote. Uh, and yeah, there's a lot of, <laughs> a lot of clone, clone wars. High times is a good place to work. <laughs> if you of, enjoyed a good pun. Yeah. Yeah. I likened it to kind of like, uh, being like a New York post headline writer <laughs> or something. You had to you know, three to four words to make your point And, uh, something funny, witty, hopefully not too corny. Right. Hopefully not. <laughs> okay. Uh, thank you, Dazzle. Thank you for listening all the way in the UK. Let's move on to Sean. And this is a bit of a longer uh, entry here, so strap in. Uh, Sean writes, hey guys, um, I've listened to all the Grow Bud Yourself episodes. I appreciate all the time and knowledge you pack into your show. I've got a question. Uh, maybe it's something without a direct answer. It's about uh, competition-grade bud. I'll give you a bit of background so you have a better idea of where I am at uh, I grow an organic super soil mix based on subcools, though I'm trying to transition into a no-till. Uh, I reuse my soil, aiming to remove blood and bone meal from my mix this year. I grow in 4x8 tents and aim for quality above all else. I use powerful lights, climate control, etc. Maintain pretty ideal VPD water until soaked. I let them dry out completely before watering again, uh, remove lower buds and branch nodes, but leave the leaves on. Uh, we grow the plants until they naturally start to die, chop after a dark cycle, and hang in our drying tent at 60-60 with light air movement and little air exchange for two weeks. Then we buck it up and we put it in grove bags. We store the bags in, climate control, in a climate-controlled tent for a minimum of six additional weeks, then hand-trim as we can and put them back in the cure tent. Um, we've saved some buds for six months, and they are noticeably better than our two-month cured buds. Anyway, I want to genuinely have the best bud at this point. Short of pheno hunting for a lifetime, what can I do to improve my bud quality to the point of standing a chance at a real competition? Also, how would I get into one? Is there a way to submit bud to professional smokers for competent review? As a final note, I'm a huge fan of the, um, if they're only going to limit plant count, we will just grow bigger plants. Uh, he attached some photos here, uh, says, thanks for reading this message. Thanks for the show. Thanks for any help you can provide. So what would you say here to Sean? Yeah. Um, well, from looking at the picture of the plant, I don't think you really need too much advice. The plants look amazing. Uh, massive, you, you mentioned uh, equatorial sativas. Uh, and yeah, I think you're doing a great job with uh, the size and quality of those plants. Uh, as far as, you know, standing a chance in a competition, uh, for me, when I'm judging, it's really all about uh, not just burnability, uh, but flavor and uh, an effect, but flavor that lasts. You know, you don't want to smoke three or four hits and then have it just be kind of empty uh, sort of charcoal flavor. Uh, you want to be able to, to taste that the, the, the uniqueness of a particular strain, even halfway or further down a joint. So uh, for me, that's really all about uh, the drying and curing process. It sounds like you've got a pretty good one, although um, you know, I might switch to jars instead of bags, but the growth bags are great for that sort of thing. So, um, you know, that may work just, just as fine. Uh, I think another key to winning competitions is not to grow too big. Obviously you're in four by eight tenths, so you're in the right, uh, situation for that as well. Now, as far as getting into contests, uh, you know, usually the, it takes, you know, about an ounce or, or sometimes a little more depending on what contest you're trying to get into, uh, you're going to have to sometimes pay a fee to enter into these contests, depending on who's putting on the contest. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, the important thing there is just to kind of keep your ear out and your eyes on social media for uh, when people have uh, submission dates for intake for when they start these contests and um, get their samples out to judges and things like that. Um I'd also say, you know, something unique is always going to shine shine uh, brighter than uh, a bunch of the same strain that other people are also growing and entering. Uh, 
that always helps. But just on a personal level for me, it's really, uh, I'm kind of looking at it like, would I be happy or would I be pissed if I paid for this, (laughs) you know? And um, ultimately that's kind of how I'm looking at it. When I look at it, when I break up the bud, um, when I smell it after it's broken up, uh, when I take that dry hit, uh, and then when I light it and feel the, the, the flavor and the effect, um, and the effect is so important too. I mean, I want it to last. I don't really, I don't go one joint after another, after another, I really try to take at least, uh, an hour or more between, samples so that i can really gauge whether okay this was strong but it went away after half an hour or this came on a little later but it lasted you know an hour and a half Um, and that's important too and just what type of effect it is and that's going to affect different people differently but at the same time i think uh, the cream of the crop always rises to the top with all these contests i mean it it usually in most of the cases, and I've judged hundreds of these type of events, um, people are, most of the judges are on the same page. Usually the, you know, I have the same number one, uh, as the next person, or at least, you know, you come up with your top three or your top five and they might not be in the same order, but they're usually the same strains in most of these contests. And, uh, yeah, I mean, that's basically my advice. I mean, I think, uh, it sounds like you have some great, amazing, uh, well-grown and unique stuff. And so, um, if it's judged anonymously and no one knows who entered what, and no one knows what anything is, I think anyone stands a chance to win. And, uh, you know, the important thing there also is trim properly, you know, don't, don't leave the growers trim where there's like a lot of leaf on the bud trim closer than you would for your own personal stash. Like I, you know, when I grow, uh, my own, I tend to leave uh, some of the leaf on and, and trim it off right before I grind up the bud. I wouldn't do that with a submission. I would really get in there and trim everything off, get those little, uh, you know, the the stems that poke out, uh, trim those off too, as, as, as low as you can inside the bud so that those aren't sticking out either. Um, and good luck. I hope, uh, hope you win in one of these competitions in the near future. Maybe I can even be a judge. All right, there you go. Thank you, Sean. We hope that helps you out there, and good luck to you. Um, Thanks to everybody who wrote in. If you have a question you would like answered, get in touch with us. That is info at growbudyourself.com. What do you say we take a little break, come back, and wrap this one up? Let's do it. Hey guys, I want to tell you about one of our favorite sponsors, Excelsior Extracts. Outcast and TOH from Excelsior are incredible people, incredible growers, and they make an amazing product. Their THC-infused pain rub is made by patients for patients, and it provides powerful relief from pain. This product was developed to treat Outcast's chronic pain, and trust me, this is a super potent topical that really works. You can find out more about Excelsior on Instagram at Excelsior Extracts. That's E-X-C-E-L-S-I-O-R-E-X-T-R-A-C-T-S. DM them there to learn more about their amazing pain rub. And don't forget to tell them that Grow Bud Yourself sent you. All right. Welcome back. And thank you so much to all of you guys for, for listening to this episode 105 of Grow Bud Yourself. Uh, I want to thank uh, DJ Jacques and Winstrong, of course, uh, Jason Baker, a.k.a. J Generation from Next Generation Seed Company. I uh, want to thank uh, our sponsors, of course, uh, Seeds Here Now. Uh, check out seedsherenow.com for just a huge variety of different breeders that are carried by that company and use the code GBY free ship GBY for grow bud yourself. So GBY free ship for free shipping on all your seeds that you purchase from seeds here. Now Uh, definitely use that code. That'll help uh, them to see that, you know, we're sending customers their way and they will stick with us as an advertiser, which is very important. I know all of you need seeds and they have a really amazing variety of selections from some of the top breeders in the world. 
Uh, Sweet Leaf Nutrients, thanks to you guys. The code there is Danko15 for 15% off all nutrients at sweetleaf.com. S-U-I-T-E-L-E-A-F.com. Uh, Excelsior Extracts, we love you guys. Love, love you, Elaine and Tommy. Uh, sending you all the healing vibes as possible. Check out their THC-infused pain relief rub. Check them out on Instagram at Excelsior Extracts. Uh, Prime Superior Inoculant, an amazing product that I use on cannabis as well as houseplants and, and, and you know, uh, pretty amazing stuff there. The cloning uh, honey and the uh, spray and the uh, inoculant that you use is just incredible. The code is PS420 for 15% off Prime Superior Inoculants. Uh, you can learn more on episode 91 uh, of Grow Bud Yourself if you want to hear uh, Paul Rushton and Todd Young of Prime Superior on the show. Uh, of course, Vapor.com. If you're interested in any kind of uh, vaporizers, uh, consumption devices, uh, rolling papers, all kinds of stuff, they have everything you could ever imagine at Vapor.com. And you can use the code GrowBudYourself20 for 20% off everything site-wide at vapor.com. So if you're in the market for any kind of vaporizer or uh, consumption product, uh, check them out, uh, vapor.com. Grow Bud Yourself 20 for 20% off. Um, thanks to you guys for supporting our Patreon. Uh, we love to get more people on there. Uh, the lowest level is $4.20 a month. Uh, very cheap to support us and uh, a lot of free, cool free stuff that you get as well. Uh, so please go to patreon.com slash Danny Danko uh, and sign up for our Patreon. Thank you. Uh, YouTube, all the other places, um, you know, spread the word. If you have a friend that's interested in getting growing, um, we got hours and hours of free advice and interviews for them to listen to. So spread the word, spread the love, spread the seeds, spread the joy. And uh, thank you guys for listening. We will be back uh, next week with episode 106. 